UN Today and Here's London present Health Today, a series of interviews with professionals working in different areas of healthcare in Switzerland. Today, we talk to Thierry Boucheler, Head of Europe, Middle East and Africa for the Key Cloud Business, Business Value and Strategy Division at Oracle. Thierry, thank you very much for coming to Geneva. We are in the Hall of Human Rights Council at the Palais des Nations and, um, as we always say, let's start with a job interview question. What can you tell us about yourself? I, uh, I'm a mix of two Swiss cultures. Um, my father's from the French part of Switzerland, my mother's from the German part. I really grew up with those two cultures. Um, I have three little kids, ages two, five and six, uh, a dog. Uh, I live with uh, this beautiful family, including my wife in the canton of Schaffhausen. Um, and I have a, a, you know, a, a story that changed a bit over time. So I started high school with ancient uh, European languages, but then I actually switched completely gears. I, I went to ATL to study computer science and business, uh, which I really enjoy still today. And um, I then did a PhD in artificial intelligence and, and, and robotics. And that was really um, something where I started thinking about how the body works and the mind works and the, the combination of, of a healthy system. Uh, you know, we did, uh, we built humanoid robots, we built bio-inspired animals. Uh, we had uh, people in the lab who built uh, robotic prosthetics. So we had to understand how the brain and the body work together. Um, and I really got interested in, in how our body functions. Um, but then I went on to management consulting where I got a different view. Um, I started actually working uh, with healthcare companies or companies related to health, uh, including pharmas, including hospital um, uh, organizations, uh, including insurances. Um, and I started mixing those two worlds, right? More the, the business uh, financial world and, and the health world. And that's something that, uh, that I still enjoy, building the bridge between different worlds, including the impact that technology can have. And uh, as a hobby, I do triathlon. And when you do three endurance sports, um, you really, or I figure out that health is not just about, you know, giving an active molecule to, to a system, but actually a lot beyond that. You, it includes lifestyle, sleep, nutrition, even environmental factors. And that's my view on, on the entire story and, and what interests me, how does, our human organism function with the world around it and how can we keep it sane and healthy. All right. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your private life. Um, now let's let's move on to the professional side. What exactly is your job responsibility? So I uh, work for Oracle, um, a large uh, IT company, and there I lead a team across uh, uh, Europe, the Middle East and Africa. Um, that works with Oracle's largest customers and clients uh, on, on their biggest challenges and how to overcome them with, with the help of technology. So again, we try to build a bridge between what technology can actually do and what either a business model needs or a public sector entity needs and how that can come together. And uh, while we are serving many different industries and sectors, uh, healthcare has become very important um, and had a steep rise over the last two years or so really in that domain and for us as a team. And there I see three things that we're mainly doing. So the first one is, you know, modernize all the players in healthcare, uh, but also help them innovate, um, 
if you look at insurances, how do you model risk? How do you do pricing? How do you think about outcomes um, uh, when, you, when you work as a, as a payer? Um, but also, how can you understand how, for example, a disease or, or a therapeutic uh, pathway develops um, ahead of time? So you can actually prepare for that and, and include that in your models. If you look at healthcare practitioners or, or hospitals, we try to match their talents and their systems to the priorities. Um, where's the CT scanner right now? Where's that particular specialist doctor right now? How can we bring those together with the actual patient at the right time um, for reducing waiting time, stuff like that? How can we give a surgeon the piece of information she needs at that given point in time uh, from a mix of data sources, but in a way that uh, she can actually um, process that or go deeper if she needs to? Um, if we look at uh, big pharmas, um, how can they do a new way of clinical trials now that in-person is more difficult um, given the current circumstances? How can they include their financial systems with nomic systems and, and bring together uh, this information? How can they get closer to patients or citizens um, without their usual intermediary um, uh, stations in between? How can they understand how they can empower patients uh, but with verified information? These are the types of, of projects we're doing. Then we're also doing two other big buckets. One is more programs. So with, uh, with countries, for example, uh, the US uh, and, and their V-SAFE system, uh, working with the CDC and the DOD, we developed uh, a system that helps when people get vaccinated um, to, with their cell phone, uh, capture side effects or other types of data that can immediately be processed uh, and, and used for the good. Um, we have a collaboration with, with Oxford University uh, where we um, supported uh, the build of a uh, global pathogen analysis system uh, where you can look at variants of, for example, the, the, the COVID virus uh, very quickly, near time or almost real time, and try to figure out what that actually means and then how you have to react to it uh, without having to wait too long. And we also help create a global standard um, for that different types of data to come together uh, and, and help global entities who are who, who all affected by, by, by the current crisis, for example, um, to, to understand that and process that. Um, these kinds of systems are, are used you know, in, in Canada, in uh, Chile, in Vietnam uh, at the moment, so they're, they're, they're being used in different places. Um, we also use those insights for, for other contexts. So for example, in Africa, we're helping uh, uh, vaccinate uh, yellow fever on a larger scale and use similar systems to, to capture the data and, and see how we can um, improve things. And then finally, um, the, the third big bucket uh, I would call everyday health. So I mentioned my hobby before and how I see health as, a, as an overall system. Um, health is not just uh, you know, uh, drugs and, and, and treating people, but it's also lifestyle. And we build, for example, systems that help families um, manage kids in a lockdown. Uh, what do you do with little kids? How can you manage that? What do others do? And how can we get out verified information to those people um, that, that is maybe vetted by professionals rather than just floating around and giving all sorts of information that might or not might not be relevant. So these are the types of engagements that we run. And then of course the standard stuff that you would expect from, from a large uh, IT partner like, like Oracle where we do you know, we build cloud infrastructures for, for finance systems, HR, ERPs, and, and all that stuff that is super important for a company or also for the, 
for the public sector. Thank you once again. Um, based on your on your job description, uh, what is your vision for the future? So in the future, you have to become um, much more specific when you treat the disease or where you, uh, when you support uh, someone in, in prevention. There's a lot of um, therapies available, there's a lot of experts available, and the question is, what do you need uh, at which time for which patient? And I think as a, as a data company that we are, um, we can actually help bring the relevant data together with the decision makers. And on the one hand, use advanced techniques like uh, machine learning, uh, for example, to create recommendations, but still leverage the heuristics and the intelligence of humans, let's say healthcare practitioners or policymakers, um, to, to choose the right path. So that's a little bit uh, the combination that we're aiming for. Um, on the one hand, you need a very good platform to bring together data from so many sources that all have different semantics, different meanings uh, that come from different industries. Um, you know, that come from variable devices and, and other inputs. And on the other hand, um, you need a couple of vertical applications that uh, can do basic stuff that is just repeatable. So even though you, you want to be very specific and very patient-centric, very value-based in, in future health, uh, there's 70-80% of stuff that is replicable and you want to focus on the remaining 20. And that's where you want to use sophisticated algorithms, a sophisticated way of bringing data together and I think that's a role that uh, technology companies can play going forward and particularly with cloud where you can scale up and down and uh, you can get storage at the moment's notice if you need a lot which you do in health at the moment um, that's going to be easier going forward. Thank you. Um, what is the diagnosis you could share with us regarding artificial intelligence? So a lot of people call many things artificial intelligence nowadays, right? You have a couple of subfields like deep learning, uh, which I consider part of machine learning as a greater topic, which is very advanced and, and had some great improvements, even though it's based on 50-year-old you know, uh, theory. Um, however, I don't see most of the support that you get from a machine as intelligent at this point in time. There are some things that they can do very well. One of them is, as an example, uh, if you look at an actual X-ray of, of the human body, um, it can help color tissue, it can help uh, enhance things or, or you know, disguise things um, to support uh, a healthcare practitioner in, in analyzing uh, that particular X-ray scan. Um, that's a, a traditional field of, of, of visual analytics, which uh, AI is very good at. On the other hand, if you have softer topics um, like, for example, the, the family assistance program that I talked about earlier, um, where you cannot simply capture visuals or, or uh, analyze uh, data that is uh, all in the same format. Um, it, it is much harder and there we still need a lot of human intervention. We, we call it human heuristics um, or human vetting that actually looks at that data and still creates a recommendation from that for other humans or for, for parents in that case uh, on, on how to um, interact with their children and with their environment. I can talk about something we actually did with the NHS in the UK, um, which was about analyzing um, prescriptions from, from doctors um, to identify fraud. 
So that's something that AI can do very well, not only in healthcare, but also in all the other industries. Um, and it just is getting some, somewhere around 120,000 prescriptions, dental prescriptions in that case, per day. Okay? There's no way a human can look at all of those and see whether, this, whether they're correct or not. And um, we, together with the NHS, we created a system that actually analyzes those and that found, saved the NHS significant amount of monies money because they found uh, fraudulent cases so there were individual dentists who would actually write a num number of prescriptions or, or treatment uh, bills per day that was impossible for for one person in one day uh, simple stuff like that uh, and then you, we would actually learn from that and get better at looking at those prescriptions um, and that's something where those ai algorithms or machine learning algorithms are, are very good today um, but when it comes to and going one step further and maybe understanding natural language that is actually on those prescriptions that works very well for many languages but for example turkish for some reason that we still need to crack uh, is very hard to to um, understand for those algorithms in the case of nhs which by the way is a very concrete example um, in addition to saving them money did they see the added value of the work you did to um, extrapolated to other issues they had identified? Well, first of all, they started with dental prescriptions and they want to move it onto everything. Every prescription. Ideally, um, but they have different systems, different formats. Uh, uh, prescriptions have uh, different uh, therapeutic backgrounds, so they are written differently. So that's not trivial. That's already one of those hard steps. Um, and that's something they want to extrapolate uh, to grow from. Um, in, in that concrete example. And when you take the, the NHS case to other government-owned health systems, are they willing to listen? Are they interested? Typically with those advanced technological systems, particularly with black boxes that are not trivial to understand. Um, you know, let's say uh, uh, in deep learning you have something called neural networks, which is concept that for a lay person is not trivial to understand. It kind of models the brain, but you don't know exactly how. Um, it, it is an acceptance problem to say the system can do something better than me as a human um, and that we encounter a lot. So the challenge is not actually the technology to, to make good pre predictions, but for the humans to actually accept those predictions or insights. Um, and the, the place I see this most in health is in health insurance where you have some of the smartest mathematicians or physics majors who create those models. And then someone comes and say, there is a machine learning model that is even better than what you did. And given they are such experts in the fields, they, they, they have a hard time accepting that. Um, that. That is the biggest personal barrier I experienced in, in healthcare. And when you take the, the NHS case to other government-owned health systems, are they willing to listen? Are they interested? Generally, I think the interest and the skills are there and are equivalent in many public sector entities I work with. The motivations are different. So while as a private sector company, you know, an important part of what you do is optimizing shareholder value or you know, your, your financial uh, setting, um, the, the public sector might have, or typically has different goals in mind, um, you know, service to, to the citizen and, uh, in that country, for example, or 
you know, having less patients in the first place if we talk about healthcare, uh, because there's good prevention and, and other measures. Um, and that is the difference you feel. Um, I don't think there's a challenge with technology grasp or, or, or motivation as such. Um, there might be longer processes in the public sector to get a policy out or something because there's more iterations by design uh, than, than sometimes in the private sector. But it's not that this stops innovation from happening. We had some very good interactions with the public sector where, where things were uh, fast enough, uh, but also well thought through. So there's not a general pattern that I see where there would be a big difference. Thank you very much, Thierry. Um, this question requires a, a little bit of an introduction. Um, today, the, the mathematicians and IT experts who develop algorithms are working with many topics horizontally in the same way uh, that, uh, that they work with the healthcare industry, they also work with the transportation industry. Do you see in the future that there will be experts in algorithms for the health sector or even more focused experts in pharmaceuticals or in hospitals that are not only focused only uh, um, on IT, but also the, in the specific needs of the sector? And in, 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 in addition to this, to this question, do you also see from the point of view of academia that uh, specializations are being or will be developed for each vertical in the future? Absolutely. I think AI or machine learning um, or related approaches can only work if you actually understand the problem at hand and how you can best employ that technology for that problem. Now, there's just not enough people who are, on the one hand, excellent mathematicians and on the other hand, excellent uh, you know, MDs um, or, or healthcare practitioners. So what we are aiming for at, at Oracle, for example, is that we create something called uh, citizen science tools. So these are tools where you can actually use all that machine learning stuff, but, but not being an expert in, in IT or mathematics or anything, such that you as a healthcare practitioner uh, or whatever um, participant you are in, in the health industry, you could still use those tools. In fact, they even use machine learning to give you recommendations which algorithms to use for your particular problem. Okay? So the, first of all, you have a kind of a simple interface where you can drag and drop stuff and pull in your data, whether it comes from an Excel sheet or, or from a more sophisticated uh, database. Um, on the other hand, um, it, it recommends to you here you could do this kind of analysis or even in the background it runs a couple of algorithms that already tells you um, you know the, the strength of a prediction that you can mathematically calculate and say if you use this approach you'll probably have the best uh, prediction out of all approaches so these are tools that we try to give um, industry specialists like healthcare practitioners um, to, to be less reliant on IT or on you know, mathematicians or, mm -hmm. or other experts. We will still need them for very special cases, of course. Thank you. Once again, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you are the, the interface, both in the, the, the private and public sector, that is on the front lines dealing with the, the need and the solution. When you, when you talk to, to city mayors, do you see that there is interest in incorporating technology to improve processes and 
cat costs, etc. I see two quite tangible um, patterns that I that I had in, in in those engagements. One is when when the public sector accepts um, this citizen science approach. So when they try tools or use tools where they trust their people to, to figure out stuff and try out stuff without having a, a huge waterfall IT setup um, to, to run things. You know, you can launch stuff on a cloud, uh, you can try it out, uh, you can use those citizen science tools to drag and drop stuff and, and try to, to do things, which gives insights, which then the decision makers or policy makers can use to, to, to have more fact-based decisions. On the other hand, it's and, and it's kind of related. Uh, it's this culture of rapid prototyping, which is now, you know, in, in agile environments in many industries has been picking up significantly, sometimes forced by pandemic and, and other dynamics. Uh, in the private sector, I saw a couple of entities, not only in health, but also in, in uh, police, for example, or different places where they accepted rapid prototyping. And as soon as something is tangible, because there is a prototype, even if it's an MVP, a minimum viable product, even if it's not fully built, even in environments where decision-making is slower or has more iterations, um, it happens faster. So if that can be accepted as a general approach, I think that would help the public sector in getting things done quickly, mm -hmm. um, if it's sometimes hard. Let's go back to, to health for a minute. With all, with all your experience of projects that were executed and those that could not happen, what is the main change that you would like to see happening in the future? I think it would be a system where patients or, or citizens, before they become patients, um, would be more empowered based on verified information. So they could you know, address more of their wellness, lifestyle, health challenges um, themselves. However, based on, on information that is uh, well verified by experts, such that the emergency rooms um, or, or the experts uh, themselves could focus on the cases where they're really most needed. Kind of a natural triage based on, 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 on such systems. That would be my wish to, and you know, give more people a chance to be treated in the way they need to be treated, if it's really required, or taking care of themselves, uh, but based on, on expert knowledge. And we arrived to the last, super last question. Um, you told me in this interview that you were a DJ. I'm going to take you to an imaginary situation. You are in the last five minutes of your life and you have the possibility to choose the last song to listen to. That song would be? It is uh, Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. Why? It will help me to reflect on my life and look at myself in the mirror and have a chance to um, see whether, you know, in five last minutes of my life, I'm kind of accepting what I did and, and whether I'm happy with that or not. And whether there's something I could still do in the last four minutes, maybe, uh, to change that. And this is the end. Thank you very much for your valuable time and for sharing all your knowledge with our audience. 
This was another episode of Health Today, the interview series presented by UN Today and Here's London. Until next time.